In today's lesson in Southgate Student Ministry, we spend time looking at what it means to be the Church of Christ. This is a really challenging question, and a lot of people look at the idea of a Church of Christ in a lot of different ways, but in today's lesson, we discuss the idea of not being a denomination, but being a church truly for Christ. Tonight we're going to start, continue on in this series. We've been talking about, as you can see on the wall and see behind me, we've been in this whole idea of resolution. And we were doing like personal resolutions, if you remember through the month of January, where we were going through and we talked about like your personal self, we expanded like your group of friends, we then expanded uh, to like the local church, and we expanded to like where you're going to be globally and what you can do. If you remember when we were talking about the local church, something I brought up was like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to expand to have the resolution of the church. And so what we're doing this whole month of February is we're looking at areas that the church needs uh, to maybe work on things or areas where the church uh, needs to grow no matter what, no matter where we are located, no matter what we're doing, what are we going to do to set resolutions inside the church, inside this part of the church. So we're part of this big, beautiful thing that is the bride of Christ. Uh, and so what can we do as a church to, to make sure that we are being the most perfect example of who Jesus was um, when he walked the earth. Now, I want to ask you a rhetorical question. I don't necessarily want answers um, out loud. I, no, I don't want answers out loud. I want you to just think about, when I ask this question, I want you to think in your head what you think of when you think about this. What does it mean to be the Church of Christ? What does that mean? What does the, how do you this? Um, when we think about this idea, what does this concept mean? I want you to think to yourself in your brain, what is this talking about? When you hear this, a lot of things probably start running through your brain. And I know that picture's blurry, and I apologize for that. It's the resolution of the TV is different than my laptop. Um, see what we did there? Resolution. Um, but I don't know where your mind went. But a lot of times I think when we think about this and we think about the idea of a church of Christ, our, our mind immediately goes to like, that's the church that says like, you got to be baptized. That's the church that says like, okay, you're going to take the Lord's Supper weekly. That's the church that is not going to use instruments. And maybe your mind goes straight to that idea. This idea of we are this church that's not going to do any of that or we're the church that's going to do that. And that's your concept. And what I think is it's actually pretty sad that when we think about the idea of the Church of Christ, that our initial reaction is to go through and be like, the Church of Christ is this, 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 and this. And we sit there and we list off these things that we do, like baptism and Lord's Supper and worshiping without instruments. And you can go on and on on that list of things that we think about. And I think it's because, and I really want to clarify as we go into this idea, I don't want anything I'm saying to be taken out of context. And I'm going to talk about this more in a second, because a lot of stuff that I could say um, in this class tonight, you could like take a little recording of it and immediately like take it to the elders and get me fired because of the things that like I was saying. I, I, and I say fired like because they would not agree with like little, and I say they're going to event, they would agree with the overall overarching of the entirety of the class. But if you take a sound bite out of context, then it would be like, what is he talking about? Um, so what I want, 
what I think and what I get nervous about is we think about the idea of Church of Christ, like what we have up here, or like what we have on the sign out there. When we think about it, we think about those things because we get focused on these rules. And what I want us to realize is that when I say the word rules, it's these little things that we're going to do over and over again that when, when you think Church of Christ, you're like, there it is. It's rule after rule after rule, this thing after this thing, and we've got to make sure we do those things to make sure we're doing it right. And I don't want you to hear me saying that, that I'm saying like rules are a bad thing. Because what I want us to understand is like every single thing that's in <coughs> Scripture, like baptism and, and like the Lord's Supper, that type of thing, those are all in there for a reason. There's a reason we do all of those things. I don't want you to hear me saying that if Jesus doesn't say it directly, that it's not Scripture. Because I'm not saying that at all. Because every single passage of the Word of God uh, is straight from God. So please don't take anything that is said tonight and twist it. And that's what I'm asking as we go in. Um, to this, the Bible is 100% there for a reason. So keep that in mind as we continue tonight. Um, and I'm, I needed to preface this lesson with that, and we're going to continue on kind of with this concept. So you kind of have in your idea, uh, when you think about Church of Christ, that's what you think of. So when we come here and we're in this idea of the resolutions, and so I want to ask, what type of resolutions are we making here today? Because when you sit here and think about resolutions for the church, and, and maybe your reaction is on one person, I can't make resolutions for the church. As a matter of fact, when I was thinking about this class series and trying to focus on which direction we wanted to go with it, something I was sitting there like, man, I, I don't know if I could sit there and teach a class to individuals, all of us sitting in this room, even including myself, um, a class about how to have resolutions inside the church because we're individuals. But I want us to change um, that mindset and realize that we are individuals who can change the church. And so tonight, I want us to look at this idea of we have to be less of a denomination and more of a church. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now this idea is a little, maybe you sat there and heard me say, I want us to be less of a denomination, more of a church. Maybe you're like, that's crazy, that's out there. I don't know what you're talking about. You're being a little bit uh, ridiculous with this whole idea. And I hope that none of what I say tonight is going to offend anyone or make anyone mad um, because that's not my intent. I just want to open the scripture and read it for what it says um, and, and also try to apply it in, in, a, in a beautiful way. And, and um, I'm probably going to be pretty blunt in some areas, but I don't want to be blunt. Um, so let's just let the scripture talk uh, tonight. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you're talking about the idea of a church and a body of Christ um, being one and whole, this is oftentimes the place where we go because it's going to put a pretty clear image of the image of Jesus next to the image of the church. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to read just verse 12 um, because, and we can read more, but for time's sake, we're just going to read verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body and and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Now, sitting here talking about this idea of the church, right? Every single person individually is a part of the body. Now, here's the crazy thing. If he's giving this direction of the church, what he's referencing is that there's this one body that, and he's, since he's relating it to Christ, it's this idea of the one body that is the church. It's pretty simple. 
when you think about it like that. And we could go on and on. But what I think it means is, is like when I read it like this and realize that the church is one body, the church is supposed to be one whole thing, I think denominations, um, and, and, and it's a weird thing to say, I think that the whole word, um, which means like different types of different uh, layers, different sects of it, like different um, styles and opinions, I almost wonder if it's a little bit uh, silly when I read that verse to think of it. And a lot of times when, you're, uh, when you look across the world and, and you have people who look in at people who would look at like drive past Southgate Church of Christ, what they're going to say about it is they're going to look at you and say, you know what, and you guys have probably, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, that's the group of people who's like, they think everyone else is going to hell. Now, that's a very abrupt thing. That's a thing that's a challenge. Now, what I want us to do is I'm going to go one direction, and I want us to pull it all back in. So I'm going to kind of go through, and we're going to bring it all back to that. If the church, if Jesus talked, if the, the inspired word of God is talking about the church, and says, you know what, this is, is one body who is in unity. Here's the difficult thing. As a church, it means you're following the scripture as one body. So either you're a part of the church as a whole, or you're, you're not a part of the church as a whole. That's a really challenging thought. Here's the thing that I want us to think about, and I'm, I'm very cautious to sit here and, and say, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I want us to think about this idea as we're trying to pull all this together, and I know it's a lot of pieces. We're going to try to get them all together here in a minute. If we sit here and say, I am this faith, or I'm this faith, or maybe you sit there and you say, I am Church of Christ, I don't know if that's the most appropriate thing to say. For me to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm COC, I'm, I'm Church of Christ. Really? Are you Church of Christ, or are you a Christian? See, because when Jesus is sitting here talking about this, or this is getting talked about in the inspired word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the image that's being portrayed here is not for me to be like, yes, I am Church of Christ, I'm COC. That's not what he's trying to say at all. What he's trying to say is, by the way, when you're a part of the church, you're a Christian, you're one person. I'd be really tempted to say that if you're sitting here in this room right now and you're a member at Southgate Church of Christ, it's really, and it, and it sounds really blunt, but I have a hard time thinking that it's ever right to say, yeah, I'm Church of Christ. Because what it tells me is that you're more into being a part of a certain sect of Christianity, a certain piece of Christianity, than a Christian in general. Now, what I'm saying this is, is it, by saying that, I'm not saying that that you can't say that because you're not a member of the Church of Christ or, or that you shouldn't be a part of a Church of Christ. What I'm saying is, is that you should be a Christian and because you're a Christian, you should be a part of the church that Christ created or a what? A Church of Christ. It's never been about being a part of a certain sect of religious beliefs. It's always been about, it's always been about being a part of a church. The church is that is going to look at scripture and be like, hey, this is what scripture says, and we want to be that. 
And so I preface that all to say it's very dangerous for, for anyone, and, and you're not going to catch me doing it, and I hope I didn't put off that vibe just a moment ago. It's very dangerous of me to be like, yeah, you know what? If you're not Church of Christ, you're not going to heaven. As a matter of fact, I won't say that. Because I have a feeling that there's a lot of buildings around the United States of America that have the phrase Church of Christ on them that look nothing like a church that Christ established. And I have a feeling that there are churches around the United States of America that, that don't have the phrase Church of Christ on them that would maybe be a church that follows Christ. Now what I want us to do is I want us to kind of get technical for a little bit. I want us to look at the naming rights of the idea of Church of Christ. Now we could get all into the real deep things about it. We're not going to tonight. Um, mainly, we look at this idea of Church of Christ, and when you ask somebody who goes to a Church of Christ, why do you call yourselves Church of Christ? Um, we're going to go to Romans 16, 16, right? Get, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you, right? Well, where do you get your name? Romans 16, 16. That's, that's it right there. Here's the thing that I want us to realize, and maybe you've gone through this before, but there are so many different names that are used. None of them ever point to a singular name. What they do point at is this idea of one thing, they're a church for someone other than themselves, they're a church for Jesus. So I want us to go example to example. Um, I put them all on the screen because we're going to go through it fast, um, but different places where a church is named in different areas. 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now what do we notice? The idea here is, he says, you're the church of God, but what are they doing? They are sanctified in who? Jesus Christ. So they're called the church of God, but what are they doing? They're following Christ. Galatians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. There's not even a name on this church. He just says, you're the church in Galatia. The only word used um, in this moment. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Is this the saints who are in Ephesus? This is what he calls the church there um, as an overarching theme. But what does it say? They're faithful to Christ Jesus. There's not a normal name. We can get that idea. There's not a single name that, that says, you know what? You need to be called this as, as, as the church. But there is one constant. Is that they're a church who's going to follow Jesus. And so if we're sitting here and we're having this discussion and sitting there trying to say, like, all right, um, what's all, why, go, why go through the technicalities of all these naming things if in reality it's just about following Jesus? If the name of the church is, is almost interchangeable, you know, if, if you're a church following Jesus, you can call yourself the saints that meet at, in Columbia. You can call yourself, uh, you know, the Church of Columbia, you know, you can go through, I'm just using Columbia as an overarching city um, here. Why go through all the technicalities if, in reality, um, it feels like you could call yourselves anything? Also, you might have been somebody who has understood this idea for a while now, so why go through it? The reason we're going through it tonight is because while we are so trying so hard to be people who are part of the church of Christ, to be Christians. I don't, when I say I want us to be part of the church of Christ, I don't want our minds to ever go to the idea of I'm COC. I'm church of Christ. 
I'm just, I, I'm a part of, and you claim the Church of Christ like it's some other just random decision of religion from across the world. It's a difficult idea that I think we all fall guilty of at certain points. But we have to understand it. The other thing is when we talk about being the church of Christ, we have to understand that we're not the church of Paul, we're not the church of James, we're not the church of John, we're not the church of Ben, or we're not the church of, I could go through and like, like insert your name, you're not the church of you. Um, nothing that those men I just mentioned, I didn't write anything in scripture, but nothing they wrote in scripture uh, ever had the intention of following anyone over themselves over Christ. Now I want us to keep in mind that everything they wrote was inspired by God. This is why I started out with this, because I didn't want anyone to be like, Benjamin said, like, none of Paul's writings matter. That's not what I'm saying. Um, everything they wrote was inspired of God, but sometimes I fear, I talked about the rules a moment ago, sometimes I fear that we'll look at Paul and say, you know what, what Paul has written is more important than everything else. Now I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is one page over, um, or maybe it's the same, my Bible is the same page. So not a real effort for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I don't have this on the screen, so go ahead and be turning there. Paul never intended for his words to be taken out of context, which is where we can get this idea of these dividing factors. If you look and you, anyone can sit there, and you guys have heard of this, uh, if you've been around um, church for any extended amount of time, anyone can sit there and grab a verse here and a verse there and, and build a concept around it. Paul never intended us to look at his words outside the context of Jesus. Let's say that again. Paul never intended for us to look at his words outside of the context of Jesus. And I think sometimes we can get guilty of reading passages of his writing, which were inspired by God, all true, out of the context of how Jesus would have used it. Would have used it. I want us to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we're going to kind of give an example of that. 1 Corinthians 11, it's a very simple verse. Be imitators of me as what? As I am of Christ. So here we are. All things Paul said are truthful and inspired. Jesus would have said all of them. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God-breathed. But we have to make sure we're using it in the context of Jesus. Why does he, it says be imitators of me. Why be like me? Why? Because I'm trying to be like Christ. For Paul was never a be like me because I'm a good dude. It was never a, a be like me and listen to what I, it was. It was a be like me and listen to what I say because I'll work to be as much like Jesus as I can. And what is the important thing about Paul? Everything he's going to say is going to be in the context of Jesus. I want us to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, I know all these are getting strung together, but it's set in the context where I think the biggest thing that I want us to grab tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're about to read a passage by Paul, written, um, written by Paul, inspired by God, um, but I want us to look at what it would look like in just the context of Paul and not the context of Jesus. So I want you to imagine for yourself, this is a verse that lists a bunch of things that you shouldn't be. So I want you, I'm going to read it straight up in just a minute, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment, or, or maybe you're struggling with one of these things. Uh, that you're one of the people listed off here. You're sexually immoral. You're an, I, I, an idolater. You're an adulterer. You're homosexual. You're a thief. Um, you're greedy. Or you're a drunkard. Imagine you're one of those things, um, and and uh, and you have a Christian come to you and say, you know what? 
You can't live like that. You're living the wrong way. That's just, that's just not good. You shouldn't be doing that. And you're like, why can I not live like that? You ask them why. And what the Christian response is, is to sit here and say, well, let me just tell you why. Let me go over here to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 6, everybody. Or did this, this 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. And do you not know that the unrighteous, that's you, the unrighteous will not, do you hear that, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, and the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, I feel like Dwight Schrute, um, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you sit there and you're like, take that. It says he will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Are you reading this with me? This is the whole idea. For me to read that bluntly, like, yeah, it's a truth from God. Yes, it is all the truth. But what that does not do is portray Jesus Christ. Paul, and we're going to come to this in a minute. So, so when we flip to a different passage in just a moment, I want you to leave your finger here and mark it. Paul finishes that verse in just a minute portraying Christ. So Paul's not even going to take that out of the context of Jesus. But for us, how often do we sit there and we pull that verse out and we're like, you know what? You know, you want to talk about the homosexual co uh, controversy in the United States of America among churches? Have you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9? It clearly states this. That's our idea. While that passage is truth, how would Jesus communicate it to people? Like I said, leave your finger at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and flip over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is going to give us um, an image of Jesus. This is a well-known passage in scripture, and it's going to give us the idea of how Jesus handled somebody who was legitimately struggling with one of the things listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's what Jesus is going to do, starting in, in verse 3 of chapter 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, literally was on the list, and placing uh, her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Verse 7, uh, or verse 6. This is said to test him that he might have some charge to bring against him. But what did Jesus do? He bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Verse 7. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11 is beautiful. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus handled this situation. Somebody who was struggling with one of the things that was listed as a sin, a truthful sin and adultery that is listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He looks at the woman He's gentle. He's humble. He's kind. He cares. He's forgiving. And he says, hey, you know what? I know you were struggling with this sin. Sin no more. The facts are stated by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But we are to communicate it to others like Christ because we're Christians. And as the church were to communicate it to people like Christ. Because we are a church who follows Christ. So what's the resolution that we need to be making? 
is to be a, a church that exemplifies and, and, and handles things the way Christ would handle things. When someone walks through the doors and says they struggle with something that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we have no right to sit there and be like, you're wrong, let me show you why. We have no right to treat them poorly because if we're the church that follows Jesus, I don't think he would have treated them poorly. And even 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, in the context of Jesus, says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So are we. We're listed, we ourselves are listed in a place like 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Jesus points out in John 8, that no one on this planet is perfect when he says, hey, those of you without uh, sin cast the first stone. Paul points it out in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. So when we're the church that exemplifies Christ, when we're more than just, I'm COC, when we're a church of Christ, a church who follows Jesus Christ, we're going to open our arms to those who are living in sin and humbly help them to remove the sins from their life. The church of Christ is going to love everyone because Christ loves everyone. The church of Christ is going to choose to turn the other cheek when people rip at us and tear us. The church of Christ is going to choose to worship in the most biblical way possible, not what feels good to us. The church of Christ cares more about what the Bible says, about what the words of Jesus are, than about what just feels great to us or what humans are telling us we should do. Guys, the church of Christ isn't a denomination. Not because we're going to sit here and say, like, any church of Christ down the street is not a denomination. The church of Christ is a denomination because when you're a follower of Christ, you're part of his body. The church of Christ is a church that's 100% trying to be as much like Christ as we possibly can. And so what I, what I want to ask you today as you're sitting here in this classroom is we're about to break into discussion groups. What are you doing to make sure that this church, that Southgate Church of Christ, is a church of Christ and not just a building with a sign on it. See, you're the church. We are the church. Together, we can be a church of Christ. Thank you so much for listening to today's lesson. Be sure to head over to www.southgatesm.org to find out more about the Southgate Student Ministry. Have a blessed day.